0: Hey everyone, Sloan here with another episode of Free Money. Can you believe it? On this episode, we're talking about how to figure out what clients really want with Stacey Klein of Auto Intelligence. She's built a behavioral questionnaire that helps advisors discover their clients' detailed preferences and build portfolios that suit them. We'll talk about what that means exactly, as well as whether she's seen any tangible changes in investor behavior that come from investing in purpose-aligned portfolios. We also talk about ways to go under the hood of these preferences when there are multiple strategies that might work for a given client situation. Then, as always, we take questions from listeners. And here's a quick reminder. You can ask us questions by going to freemoneypodcast.com or emailing freemoneypod at gmail.com. This week, we explore whether we talk too much about carbon at the expense of other concerns, whether institutional investors are reevaluating their Chinese investments in light of recent Russian aggression and how a marketing gambit employed by a fund manager on Showtime's TV show Billions would play out in real life. It's all on the other side of the disclaimer. Take it away, Sharkbait.
1: Ahoy, Free Money Podcast listeners! I'm Sharkbait Buckley, the disclosure pirate, and I'm here to set ye straight about what's going on with this here show. Sloan Ortel works for Invest Vegan LLC, a New York registered investment advisor. Ashby Monk works for Stanford University, Adapar, Future Proof, Long Game, and various startups. All opinions expressed by either Sloan or Ashby are entirely their own's and do nay reflect the opinions of their crew or any company. Clients who invest vegan may maintain positions in securities and strategies discussed in this podcast. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Invest Vegan and its representatives are properly licensed or exempted and a client agreement has been executed. Arr.
0: Here comes the money!
1: Here we go! Money talk! Oh. Here comes the money!
0: Welcome to the Free Money Podcast. It is where we give you the Brooklyn Bay Area consensus about institutional investing that you desperately crave. We're we're back for the second time this year.
1: Oh. And it's raining here in California. Wow. Uh, yeah. Which, for those of you that are familiar with our climate, uh, we need it. Yeah. May does not. that
0: mean it's not going to catch on fire there later?
1: You know. <laughs> It's funny, uh, sometimes a lot of rain in a year will mean a lot of vegetation, which will then dry out, and then actually lots of fires.
0: <laughs> ah, uh, yes. yes, yes.
1: <laughs> it's so funny that you mentioned that, because I was actually, my little ash baliloquy pop here was going to be about how hard it is to interpret, like, the big geopolitical events in terms of what happens to markets. Oh yeah. So like you would think that raining means no fires, right? That's the. But it actually might mean more fires. Uh, you would think <laughs> a war in Europe would mean markets get crushed because we haven't had a war there in a long time. Yep. But instead, investors are like, "Oh, there's a war in Europe, and it's a pretty bad one, which means the Fed might not raise interest rates <laughs> at <laughs> the point." Yep. And then, so because I was just looking, I like markets are flat since the Yeah, yeah. Well, that don't, I mean that's ha- that's that's
0: happened a lot. I mean, and, and like I, I woke up this morning to an FT piece where like a bunch of you know ESG investors are going, wait a second, should we be investing in defense companies?
1: I saw that. <laughs> like, actually, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Don't it, take my yeah as a yeah to the answer. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, an, yeah, yeah. I, it, like the the, worse, it is. The better it is, and and that's fucked because to me it's like wow that just shows how unfree our markets are. Right? Yeah, Let, like the markets are actually driven by what people think the government's going to do, rather than like what's actually just objectively good or bad. Because I think a war in Europe is objectively shit. Like, yep yeah, trade flows are going to slow down. You know, we're going to have like back even worse, like supply chain problems, it, it's not going to be good. We are going to have more inflation.
0: It's, I mean, we're at serious risk of global famine right now because of this, this war specifically, oh, like yeah. I, I, I wrote a, a, like a semi big ass piece on the invest vegan blog about this. Um, but like Ukraine, Russia and Belarus are major parts of the global food supply chain.
1: No kidding.
0: Um, yeah. And like Russia in particular. Is like you know supplies between like twenty five and fifty percent of three key inputs to the fertilizer market. Um, wow, fertilizer prices already up more than one hundred percent year over year, um, and like for the
1: that, you know, it, like nope, I just forgot people can't see my face. I'm <laughs> screaming the shocked face, one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, that, and that's like on the low end. That's for some of the like the kind of less less
1: refined, less good. You know, so I'm guessing farmers don't like put a 2x on one of their key inputs when they're modeling like the the years ahead no maybe they do maybe they're used to this type of volatility
0: no they are not (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's driving some good change. like it's it's leading some people to go like hey maybe instead of of you know buying fertilizer every year we'll do compost and manure but um because like you know we rely so heavily on synthetic fertilizers around the world, like half of the population of Earth is supported by synthetic fertilizer. Wow. Um, you know, so like a disruption in this will lead basically to uh, the most vulnerable um, populations on Earth having right. like exponentially increased risk of famine. And and if these don't clear up in the next two months, um, we will start to see uh, effects play out in the ag. Uh, supply chain immediately because guess what it's spring and the fertilizer has kind of
1: like a deadline to get on the plant yeah it's a fair point planet is spinning and tilting yeah exactly my lord well you've heard it here probably first
0: yeah like everyone's most cheerful (laughs) yeah
1: this is this is what we do you know the we give we pretend that we're giving you good news it's actually just horrific speaking of the news (laughs) i've got a little bit of time here Before we have our guests, so let me give you some of the news items for your commentary and Mm. uh, inform analysis. Uh, I'm going to start with Russia because we've seen a big wave of um, of our stakeholders, the big asset owner investors of the world, um, making moves. You know, some of these moves are being imposed. Uh, In the case of Norway, the chief investment officer of NBIM said it's too soon, and then his bosses and the ministry of finance said it's not too soon. 24 <laughs> hours later they were told to divest from russia um colorado uh you know the australian super funds future fund is winding down was their terminology which i think is another way of saying just give us a little bit of time like stock markets haven't even opened up yet in yeah russia. we can't
0: sell these things at all so yeah uh we're just so gonna, gonna
1: wind it down
0: we're putting a uh, side pocket i guess
1: yeah it's CDPQ, um, which is uh, the Caisse de dépôt et consignation de Québec, my favorite um, my favorite Canadian pension plan uh, in Québec, uh, they are selling out of their Russian assets. And on Q, you had the CPPIB humblebrag. Uh, and I'll, write, I'll give you the quote here. We made a decision years ago not to have Russia as one of our markets. And the hair flip. uh well played cbib good job with your predictive capabilities uh the funny one here uh is that mubadla and cotter um they're swift uh in cotter and mubadla have said they will keep their russian assets of course they're very invested in russia yeah and it will be interesting to see what plays out here, because Mubadla has deep relationships with Russia, and they have a San Francisco office, and so they have deep relationships here. Mm. Um, yeah, some of these global organizations are going to have a tough moment. Yeah, and and so we'll see.
0: I mean, like, I, I think that if I was a CIO and I was like, you know, somewhere in the in the three to to ten percent of my overall thing invested in Russia, yeah, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't be in that position because I (laughs) I wouldn't have invested in Russia. Um, But, like, I don't feel like I I would necessarily divest here, right? Like, because it's hard. Well, it's hard, but also, like, you know, it's it's the literal, you know, just from a a pure sociopathic, like, money-making standpoint, um, you know, I mean, things are, I mean, valuations are definitely pretty low in Russia right now. Uh, you
1: would double down. Is that what you're saying? You're going to put on your middle Eastern sovereign front hat. You're going to double down in Russia right now.
0: I would say if I, if the peculiar, like the version of Sloan who winds up working there and making them (laughs) (laughs) would, would probably be doubling down right now. Not, not, not moving out.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I won't even do the like classic when, oh gosh. When there's something in the streets, you buy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yep. Lord, that was inappropriate. Ash. I mean, well, it's yeah. not.
0: It's like it's one of the it's the adage that's getting quoted all over the time. I think that's from um it might be from Lord Rothschild or like maybe incorrectly that's attributed right. to him. You know, but it's like yeah, buy when there's blood in the streets. Sadly, um, there are. There is. There is currently blood in the street, which I mean, like, and and I guess you know, given what we opened up the pod talking about how markets are flat since the invasion,
1: it's weird. Yeah. So, so, MSCI, FTSE, and BlackRock also. This is actually maybe a bigger deal than any of the stuff I've mentioned so far. Yeah, are going to be removing Russia from their indices. So, this Good. massive passive block of money is going to have to shift to a somewhat different passive investment kind of focus with no mm-hmm. Russia in it. So. That's going to affect a lot of people's benchmarks, and so you're going to. Pro- that's probably going to have a bigger impact on portfolios than anything the the politics will have. So anyway, yep. uh, next bit of news. <laughs> I need a I need a soundtrack. Just note to self: we need a sound whenever a new sovereign fund is created. <laughs> okay, it needs to sound kind of special. With or maybe we could be a cash register like fan. that.
0: Maybe I mean we got a little, little drum life. Ethiopia. <laughs>
1: Woo! And then I yell the country. At the end of yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ethiopia is setting up their version of a tamasek. Uh, It's called the Ethiopian Investment Holdings. And I think there's a conflict going on in Ethiopia right now. Yep, yep. So this is an interesting moment for them to basically say we need to set up a sovereign development fund with the specific mandate to bring in, to attract, foreign capital um they think they have 150 billion dollars with a b uh worth of state-owned companies and assets and they want a, a tamasek style vehicle they, they pointed out tamasek and mubadla as role models for what they're trying to do and that is basically like a holding company that comes in streamlines state-owned enterprises and gets them ready for listing and ultimately trading on public markets with the hope that you end up like singapore with a bunch of national champions that are just awesome. Like the airline. Mm. We'll see if they're successful, but it is interesting to see that model continues to gain steam after places like Indonesia, Russia, India, have used it to, um, pretty successful outcomes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And like, I mean, the state owned ch- the story is like as old as time, you know, where it's like, ah, yes, we have inefficient state-owned companies and we need to come up with a part of the government that like is in charge of running
1: these companies. Yeah, it's like the financialization of the state. The state is moving into the markets and the markets are moving into the state. And so you end up with this blend. And the thing that's neat about these development funds, like the Ethiopian Investment Holdings, Mm -hmm. EIH, I'm now calling it, the EIH uh, is that their goal is to bring in um, non-local capital. So they're going to have to go and make the case that these are good investments. Mm-hmm. and and so they don't get to say look you know you invest in this and we give you a little nudge or a wink over there it's got to make sense um you know for a, a private investor to invest unless they're going to just bring in a bunch of sovereign fund capital from the middle east for example uh, and- then yeah then that's what you're going to see all right last bit of news before we get into it is um we have a birthday today and my oh, no. birthday is for something called the Australian Retirement Trust. Not a real birthday. So mm. I, I think I got you too excited about
0: it. I'm like, I'm like, wow. It, it,
1: actually, it's my sister's birthday. Fuck. <laughs> Literally my sister's birthday.
0: Are you kidding? It's, are you kidding me? It's actually my sister's birthday also today.
1: March 4th. My March sister. 4th. My, my yeah. sis-
0: no, no, no. My sister. No, no, no. Not your sister.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> are you not fucking with me? I'm not fucking with you. Oh, shit. I'm going to her birthday party later tonight. Yeah, I was just texting with my sister. Yeah. Um, I think that means they're Pisces. Yep. Uh, not that anybody actually believes in that shit, but maybe it means something. Um, anyway, so Australian Retri- Retirement Trust is the merger of Q Super and Sun Super. And it is a behemoth immediately out of the gate. A um, man mm. weighing in at $230 billion. Oh. Um, and both of those funds are from the Sunshine State. Do you know which one that is?
0: Uh, Canberra,
1: Queensland. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm like I feel pretty good about naming i I'm pretty sure, sure. Canberra, as, as they pronounce bra- it, is a city. Oh, sick! All right, well, maybe Canberra is like one of those like Washington D.C. type districts. Now that I think about it, one of the best cities. Yeah, you might be right. You might be
0: technically correct. The
1: best kind. Oh, love it when you get me on a technicality, Sloan. Anytime. That's all, that's yeah, so, so we see these organizations in Australia being merged. And it's fabulous because it forces them to be so innovative. And so that's why Australia is kind of the epicenter of pension fund innovation today. Is partly because the regulators going around and saying, you merge with those guys. You're going to be gone unless you get good. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's a bad Australian accent. <laughs> Crikey. You're gonna get God. <laughs> you manage with these guys. Uh, uh, <laughs> you merge with these guys. Again, you got to go watch that SNL clip where they have uh, all of the the movie, the best movies of Australian cinema, mm-hmm. and it's an SNL clip. And one of the classic war at ones. Here we go. Is the guy says any last words? And this. Woman is dying in bed, and she says, "Kangaroo, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, Can we strike okay. all that from the record? Or, we, or, no, do it. It we, we don't do editing. We don't do editing.
0: They have a rich, deep, and ancient culture. They uh, do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that's not my joke. That was a Saturday Night Live joke. Yeah, that's true. Make me laugh out loud, but
0: we're just saying it how it is. We're just saying it how it is. Mm. Yeah, you know. Um, oh, awesome. I noticed that our guest is in the waiting room. Uh which is pretty i our guest who is not Australian, as far as I know, she's Canadian. Mm, everyone it's everyone's Canadian, it turns out. Uh yeah.
1: Let's and, let uh, what we're gonna do with Stacey Klein is talk about impact investing and how we can figure out preferences.
2: Hi, hi. hi. How are you? How are you? I'm great. How are Granny?
1: you? Great weather in Toronto.
2: Oh, you know, it's a little cold still. Well, some snow I see it. I'm yeah. just waiting for spring. I see
1: that little slide out there. I'm looking forward to the opportunity to try that out.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on over.
1: <laughs> Stacy, we were just introducing you and Otto as the ultimate way of um, revealing the preferences of investors so that you can help them mobilize um, their kind of impact mindset. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of background on why you wanted to build auto before we jump into the questions and, um, and then we'll, you know, go through the various um, product iterations that you're working on.
2: Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, auto came about really to solve a problem I faced, which was, um, you know, there I was with some capital to invest. I really just wanted to do that in a way that aligned with who I am and what I care most about. And it wasn't easy. And I thought, wait a minute, like I can't be the only one who's facing this problem. And um, if I'm not, and if I can come up with, you know, even part of a solution to this problem, then you know, that's potentially something pretty interesting and potentially scalable. And so, um, you know, fortunately, I didn't have to come up with this solution on my own. I have the help of some really brilliant people around the table. And um, okay. yeah, we're working to make that happen.
1: So. Nobody would sort of um, be surprised to hear that uh, this is an important thing, right? Like revealing the preferences of investors seems like a pretty foundational concept when you're onboarding them, especially if you're their advisor, you want to understand what they want to do. The true preferences of individual investors is kind of obviously a good thing, but it turns out that not a lot of people actually take the time to reveal those preferences or actually mobilize them. Like maybe could, this is about unwinding, like why the industry has been structured the way that it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's complex. Listen, I think, um, you know, there are a few things here. First, you know, objects in motion remain motion, right? It's like exactly so much easier to keep doing things the way that uh you know the way that they're they're done um than to look at things differently and you know the truth is that incorporating the preferences of individual investors like takes work um you know and in certain cases it it kind of runs a bit counter to the model of investment advisory where it's like you know put this person in this bucket um and you know on the other hand though, like investment advisory is all about client relationship, yeah. like building trust and stickiness and this you know it like really is about deeply knowing your clients and what they want, what they care about. Um so like this should be, you know, incorporated into their investment strategy. Like so again begs the question like why the reluctance? Like because it hasn't been right. Right? Like for starters you know, traditional client intake just t- like falls short, right? The current process for KYC is in knowing your clients. It focuses on risk and return and liquidity, but like in this point in time assessment. So like actually discovering what your clients care about, what drives them, their values or preferences, like it requires more. And then on top of that, you know, if you're looking at like a more sustainable approach to investing, it's hard to action ESG data. Yeah. You know, we know there isn't even an agreed upon lexicon for things like, what do we mean by sustainable investing, values-based investing, ESG, impact, like, let alone standard metrics. So the availability of data on a company's performance on environmental, social, and governance factors, like, really doesn't equate to the ability to use this data in a meaningful way as it relates to individual. Um, Do you think? So I think that's-
1: Sorry, I was interrupting you. the do you think yeah. that like part of this is because the advisors would appear to not know what they're talking about if they started engaging in these topics, because like sure. you just said, like connecting all of the ESG data into a, an investment strategy that you can mobilize, like if my client tells me they don't want to invest in munitions, like I don't know how to yep. mobilize that. That's actually pretty hard to do, mm. you know?
2: Yep. no, exactly. I think, you know um having those tangible little pieces of of evidence or a discussion point to be able to bring to your client in a thoughtful way like it's it's been elusive right now um there really hasn't been an easy mechanism for for bringing that forward into conversation and and um you know for listen we all want to sound smart what we're doing we all want to be the expert i do yeah do. so speak
0: right,
2: for yourself right <laughs> <laughs> Okay, maybe some of us are okay with, and maybe we don't know it all. Um, but you know, if you're coming to your client as as their advisor, as you know, um, as someone who's supposed to have the information, you want to come across as having the information. Um, so you know, this is really what we're working on facilitating at Auto. It's is not coming coming to the table saying. Hey, here we have the solution for how you can perfectly align your portfolio with your investments. It's really not about that. What it's about is saying, Hey, client, look, we get you, we hear you. We want to actually learn more about you. You know, we're all about, we're a client intelligence platform and we want to use these bits and pieces that we know about you as, you know, part of the main ingredients of your investment strategy. And so what we're really trying to do is equip advisors with these talking points for conversation to say, okay, you, you know, you client really you've expressed this preference to avoid investing in companies that test their products on animals or um, you know, you really care about clean water. Well, here's how I can talk to you about this and how, you know, I can say to you, these are things we can consider in the context of your broader financial goals and um and start really thinking about how we can thoughtfully and strategically incorporate these things.
0: Yeah, I mean that's really interesting bring like, board I, I think that we we have heard about aligning clients capital and their purpose to the point of of nausea uh, almost right like yeah. where like yeah. it is it sounds great. I mean like I personally would love to align my capital with my purpose, right? But when you get into the specifics, it seems like it's really a vehicle to learn about the world. And I mean, is that kind of the way that you're approaching, you know, building auto, where you're saying, like, okay, let's sort of learn about what you want to know about and then figure out how to get you more information about that so that you can use investments as a way to understand what's going on around you?
2: Absolutely. You know, I think that um, this is really a stepping stone to a whole bunch of like learning and financial literacy and more. This is, this is really about how can you be kind of an active participant in your capital allocation? And, you know, I think, you know, we really do, as you said, here all the time, retail investors really want to invest in a way that's aligned with their purpose. So, you know, what does that really mean? Like, I think it's sort of assumed now because. Um, you know, in this day and age, we're all accustomed to these like personalized products and services, like, you know, netbooks, we throw on the TV and there's every show we want to watch. And you want to jump on your Peloton, like, great, go do a class. We want to do it the exact moment you want to do it. And, you know, Alexa already knows what you want to buy. So you are not worried to worry about that. But when it comes to investing, like that is not at all the experience. And I think we now have this, like we're coming into it with this expectation that we're going to be met in our investing in the same way we're met in the rest of the world and we're not. And so, you know, we really are looking for the same from our investing experience. And, and I think the retail client has learned that they can be pretty powerful in that. Um, But, and so, you know, what that should mean is Kind of a knowing more of a knowing of the companies that you choose to allocate your wealth to and you know what matters to you whether that's caring about the planet or you know looking at companies and how they you know factor in the communities that they operate in and how they treat their workers um and right now the truth is it it's pretty hard to go out there and, and accomplish a perfectly aligned portfolio and that's in part because of um you know the The data and the way the data is right now, and our understanding of how to bring that into play um and it's also because you know the truth is the factoring in of these factors for companies is is still new in terms of how they consider it. and so really, you know with auto, it is about how can we facilitate a greater knowing, how can we provide a starting point for these conversations and bring them into um you know, make them more of focus. make them part of, um, part of the consideration from the beginning and not just this thing you slap on at the end as the icing on the cake.
1: I love that. I, I'm sitting here chuckling to myself when you were like, why don't we have like the Alexa style, um, uh, recommendation engine. And I was like, oh man, we need that creepy factor in finance where like, you're like, oh <laughs> shit, that's eerie. Exactly. I get an email, you know, <laughs> um, You know, Alexa like sent me an alert yesterday. Literally, this is not a joke that was said. Do you want to subscribe to the daily joke? And I was like, that's creepy. Yes, I do. Yes, I do want to subscribe to the
2: (laughs) daily joke. Um, so I, I, it's well, here, there you go. You, this is where Otto is going. Like you, you predicted it.
1: Otto, we bring creepy. bills.
2: We bring the creep (laughs) factor. Perfect. We were looking for a new
1: creep factor.
0: Yeah, it, we yeah. know if you've been bad or good. Replace <laughs> that. The here. elf on the shelf for finance.
1: My <laughs> God, guys, this is this is outstanding, and I think this is where Free Money Podcast gets a revenue share of some. So use the elf on the shelf idea. Um, okay, look, I think got it. I love your concept of impact as a means of understanding. Honestly, that's the way we talk about ESG in the in the institutional world, which is like think of this as yeah. like understanding risks that you haven't quite appreciated. Yeah. And then also the process of defining goals. I think like part of the yeah. reason I was so excited to have you on it is like you're building a platform that allows individuals to actually take the time to define goals across a range of domains. Not just like the yeah. cash I need out of this investment in seven years yes. for my wedding, but like a bunch of goals. And I'll tell you guys that institutional investors are also very bad at defining goals. And so as we move towards this goal setting, I think it's gonna be really valuable to see, you know, your learnings and how it changes their behaviors as you go through this. And so I'm just curious, like what are the behavior changes you're seeing or are you interested in seeing? And I don't know, just react to my random rambling.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 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 no, no, I think it's, um, I think it's really, really interesting. I, and I do think that this does link to to behavior change. Um, and I hope it does, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, what we've seen, and this really links to everything we've been talking about, is that when investors are invested in companies they believe in, they know why they're there. Yeah. Right? And so what that means is that you know, among other things, there's just more bandwidth to kind of weather the storm and market volatility, right? So having a purpose portfolio really means that you can take a much longer term approach. And I think, Ashley, like this is where there is of you know, overlap um, with what you're talking about. So, you know, when you factor these things in, you're no longer looking at just as one dimension of returns and basing everything off of that. There's just more at play, right? So when you wake up in the morning and you see the Dow is down, however many basis points and you're looking at your portfolio on the red and you're kind of freaking out. And, um, you know, when you can take a step back and see see yourself in your portfolio or what you care about is reflected and you've been more thoughtful and, you you know, there are more reasons, just more reasons behind your decision making than you know, it's more likely than you could see this as just a you know a bump along a much longer road than you know a valley. You don't have to panic and sell and act irrationally because um, it's not just about your short term gains anymore.
1: Anyway. Yeah, even the time horizon. I mean, I don't want to beat this one to death, but so you're talking yeah. about time horizon. I love that because it, it it allows you not to sell when things are crashing and in fact double down when things are cheap. Um, but I also think the process of goal setting and understanding. Yep. Uh, kind of multi-dimensional objectives does something that's very different from what the traditional investor has, which is triangulate your current location. So yep. where you are, is, it should be relative to what portfolio you're holding, how you understand that portfolio yep. and where you're going. And I expect the process of running through the auto survey and, and doing that cool swap in and swap out assessment that I've seen in your platform Like people are going to realize their portfolio isn't quite where they thought it was. And, and that, and that's that like location, like the GPS of your portfolio, the position of your portfolio will appear different the minute you run through your survey for the first time. And it's that changing location of your portfolio that I think will trigger a change in investment behavior. And so that's the kind of outcome that I'm really excited to see if people get in there, they realize that this portfolio isn't where they thought. And all of a sudden they're, they're reallocating capital. And that's our project at Stanford and many things that I'm doing. We're we're trying to reallocate capital to more world positive projects.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that really is our, you know, um, underwriting thesis at auto is that when you have the ability to um, add this other dimension into your decision making and into your thought process around where you're allocating your capital that um, you know that you will make decisions that ultimately shift that capital into companies that ultimately are not only better for the planet and for people but you know evidence is really showing that those companies will also outperform and you know for a lot of reasons like I know you' You, are, you you two know really, really well.
0: I mean, th- yeah, like I this is like, you know, I, I think that the state of academic research around this is like kind of pot garbage. Um, you know, mm, b- mm, you know, beca- mm. because like, I mean, first of all, if you just sort of look at the 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 questionnaire, like we did this when I was working at CFA Institute a while ago. We took uh we went to the top forty RAA firms and barons, we got all of their questionnaires. They were all the exact same freaking thing, the same ten questions. Yeah. Like you know if the stock market was down 25% what would you do um you know and like the and, and you know p- perhaps even more offensively they would all uh rely on the client to identify something as basic as how much money they needed in retirement they would literally be like yeah. how much money do you need and then they would build the portfolio around that um this next generation i think is front and center for a lot of those big mainstream rias who you know they have like the grandfather who might have been like an oil tycoon um, and not so concerned about you know, and more concerned about just like, you know, cash on cash return on investment. Um, And then, you know, maybe the, you know, they have a kid who's a hippie and a grandkid who's an even bigger hippie. Um, And the firm is now wondering how do we retain those clients, right? Um, And, you know, I just got to wonder, like, do you think they have a chance in hell at that? Um, Because like, it seems to me like, purpose and uh, like alignment with, you know, clients like end real goals is not something that you can bolt on later in the game, you know, so yeah. I'm wondering how you think about that because it seems to me like, you know, smaller firms like mine might be a user of auto, but also like bigger giant firms might be a, a natural user of auto and you kind of need to, you know, see where you fit into that, that whole marketplace. I'm curious how you're approaching it.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, this is a, you know, a, a massive problem, especially with this shift in wealth that's, you know, on the brink of happening and has in certain cases it started. And I think, you know, I think the data is something like 83% of capital, you know, shifts when there's a, a transition in wealth. And so really capturing um, this next gen clients is, Going to be really important to, to these incumbents, right? Um, and I think that there's even more competition now with, um, you know, the onslaught of all these retail platforms and a do-it-yourself mentality that's just been enabled by technology. Um, you know, so it's really in in that context too. Getting those second and third generation family members to stick is is really really hard. Um, and you know the way we think about auto, um, is really as a as a household, um, product. So I think that the, to date there hasn't really been reason to bring in those next gens into a conversation or an easy way to do that. Like, how do you approach the matriarch or patriarch and say, like, hey, we actually kind of want to talk to your son or daughter or grandkids. Um, and yeah, I think we can see in a lot of cases, and it applies here. Um, a lot of the time it's like easier to talk to a robot or computer than it is to have an in person discussion. So equipping advisors with these pieces of technology that can facilitate that kind of relationship formation and giving a reason for there to be a discussion that bridges generations is, is I think part of part of this and part of how we can be a solution there. Um, but I think, you know, there's all kinds of like interesting things more broadly about this, this problem in the market and, and how to look at it. And I think, you know, that it's, it's really in part why we're excited to, to serve um, financial advisors with auto and what we're bringing forward, you know, this really could have easily um, been a D2C product and we chose Specifically, to you know, bring it to market for for advisors, and I think part of what we see is that, um, you know, the fundamental difference between an advisor and a robo platform is values, right? There's this is competing with decision making, not competing with an algorithm. So, you know, Daniel Kahneman talks about System One and System Two thinking, and the, the robo platforms are the System One thinking, and you know, advisors are not going to compete there anymore. But if you can help a client really understand their values, well, then you can really compete. You know, when there's strong potential for churn in the client base, like what is going to insulate you from that? It's being an advisor who understands your client. And so while clients care about returns, like let's face it, they care about returns. What they really care about, I think, is staying on track financially. So if you're an advisor who understands your client's goals and values and where they are, you could always bring it back to this. If the markets can go up, the markets can go down. You know, it doesn't matter. We're still on track. You can buy that house. You can make sure kids have a good ed- education. Like whatever it is. Um, so this is like this is where auto can come in, and um, you know, and and really kind of play play into that. And and you know, just that's just like one other little tidbit here is when you think about how like relationship formation and how that's been, and how that's been, you know, kind of historically with some of the bigger, um, with the high net worth clients, it's, you know, it's been built on, you know, sometimes let's take the like really classic example of like golf games or dinners. And, um, you know, that sort of, covid or non-covid not not as much the world we live in anymore right so we're trying to deal with that handoff like helping to build a relationship that's a bit more digital and a bit less
1: <laughs> put that put that on a t-shirt that's another yeah. good one
0: <laughs> i mean degulfing <laughs> the investment industry is uh, like
1: god's work uh full stop. holy cow the <laughs> <laughs> de-golfification <laughs> investment industry <laughs> new objective Golfification. <laughs> that should be. That should be. <laughs> we're free money podcast, de golfifying
0: Yeah, exactly. uh, if, if, if anyone out there wants to be the free money merch intern, please hit me up. Um, yes. The, You know, the, there's, like, I, I think this is, I mean, obviously this is, like, near and dear to our hearts, right? And, like, you know, we're kind of tanking yes. for this idea of, like, let's align, you know, capital and purpose. But there's, there's this really interesting implementation wrinkle here, where, like, you know, yeah. I mean, My, my way of doing this at my own firm is like, you know, I named it invest vegan, (laughs) you know, the triple moon goddess sigil, my logo. And like, you know, that has some bearing on the kinds of clients that I attract and, you know, kind of the discovery process of coming to me. That's not necessarily the process that, you know, like, uh, Halsey street investment management, you know, necessarily would take or whatever asset management would take. Um. But the, the way that we do, you know, this specific identified set of preferences here is quite different from, you know, there are two other vegan funds that are, you know, they're doing great work, but they're very, very, very different. Um, you know, and I'm curious about, you know, like, I mean, maybe not necessarily in the example of, of veganism, but more broadly, like once you identify the preference, how do you identify the solution?
2: Yeah. And that's really, I mean the implementation piece is really what it all comes down to, right? Because it's great to say, I know who you are. I know what you care about. It's great to say, I understand how this company scores on these ESG metrics, but like, how do you put the two together? Um, And that's really, um, like, it's exactly the crux of what we've been trying to solve for. Because, you know, there are tons of companies out there that do a really great job on company scoring, and they're really, really good at that. Um, and there are also lots of ways to discover people. Less, actually, less ways to discover people as it relates to their investments. But um, I think really what's been missing in the market is this way to bring the two together. And that's why you know we were talking about the beginning. Like advisors can't have these conversations because there's like no way to connect people to. Companies. And so, you know, that's our work. And what we do is say, okay, we're going to leverage that great work that these third party, you know, companies are doing on scoring other companies on ESG factors. And we're going to look at that and create a constant and bring it in. And we're also going to create these great tools and surveys and games that help us uncover people and who they are and what they care about. And then, you know, we're going to connect those. So, What we really do in our platform is say, okay, here, you know, as a starting point, we identify the themes that that people care about. What are the kinds of companies they wanna invest in? What are the types of companies they wanna avoid? And then, you know, we bridge the gap for an advisor so they can log on to their dashboard. They can, you know, um, they have intelligence there on their clients and then they can run uh, essentially an alignment analysis to say, you know, based on these preferences, here's where here's an audit, a thematic audit of my client's portfolio. And you know, let's say for example, um, you know, let's say the client wants that is really focused on clean water. I'm looking for um, increasing exposure to to clean water, and the advisor is actually able to then go in and 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 add and do a search, a thematic search to say, you know, which which are the companies within you know my certain my of return parameters um, and you know certain market cap, market cap that meets these objectives. And you know, let's say Microsoft, Microsoft is one that spikes on clean water. It's not intuitive, but it does. And the reason why is because you know certain companies like Microsoft that uh, um, you know where they don't generate revenue from from things like directly from clean water, they're showing up for their communities, they've created partnerships and programs that, that contribute to these themes. So um, they, you know, the advisor's able to say, okay, spikes on clean water, I'm gonna see about adding this. Um, but then the advisors also have to say, well, hey, Microsoft actually has some weapons exposure and that's something my client didn't wanna have exposure to. So you know, they can then really practically bring that forward to their client and say, listen, like you have these financial objectives. And within those financial objectives are also your values-based preferences. And, like, let's now actually talk about this. Are you okay with having Microsoft in your portfolio? Because, um, you know, it does achieve the goal of increasing your exposure to clean water. But it also adds a little bit of exposure to weapon. And
1: And Jeffrey, is
2: that something that...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I went there. I went there.
2: You went there. Yeah, did it. The the deeply
0: relevant Epstein factor that...
1: uh... (laughs) Sorry, I just saw the news that Bill Gates' wife
2: so no, was like couldn't avoid it.
1: About how he was hanging out with Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's and yeah. right and me so. so. And rightly so. Yeah. Very naughty. <noddy. laughs> uh, yeah. From <laughs> like pricing stuff. So. To portfolios. I have to tell you, Stacey, I've been telling mm-hmm. everybody that I think the big projects of the next decade are translation, that there's a mm-hmm. lot of data. <laughs> but mm-hmm. there hasn't been the work to translate that da- data into something that is implementable. Yeah. And and as I was listening, you just describe it. I think that's what you're doing. You're yeah. this like translation layer that takes my preferences and helps me actually mobilize. Right now we put that burden on the investors and even the institutions struggle okay. to mobilize it.
0: Yeah, and so, all I can do to you. reach those investors is block. Like, okay. right? Read-
1: <laughs> it's like blog and pot, pot blog. Yeah,
0: Like literally, it's like, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of weird if you think about it that, like, it is, the, you know, that's like the most practical storytelling mechanism that exists presently is like, you know, write a blog post about, you know, a theme totally. and how your portfolio aligns with it. Um, I once
1: asked a chief yeah. investment officer where they get their capital market assumptions. And the first thing out of that person's mouth was blogs. And <laughs> I was like, interesting. Yeah. You know, that's a very scientific you know anyway stacy thank you i know we've kept you over the time so awesome keep us posted on auto and when i can you know do my own portfolio through the system and we'll put it up on the free money uh yeah i want to
0: play with it uh i'm
1: excited to check it out
2: yeah amazing well let's make it happen. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited about being here in our conversation. And I'm I'm really excited to kind of stay tuned and learn what gardening can
1: oh, do. This is. Oh, that's a good one today. Thank <laughs> you yep. for the call out. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right.
1: Stay see. Bye.
2: All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, she knows about it's the gardening a cool company, cause... dude. Yeah. Very cool company.
0: I I mean, that's it's that's a very exciting space. Like, I, I mean, I, I like, you know, probably like there are so many like old gen um, questionnaire solutions for advisors mm-hmm. that I've been looking at because it's like this is a huge business process issue for me. Um, well, yeah, like
1: are but- onboarding people and being like, what do you what do you like?
0: yeah, like, what do you like and and also, like do you have like what is your ability to bear and manage risk? And then also on top of that, like who are you? Are you a good fit for what we do? Should I refer you to someone else? Yeah, um, and like I you know, because like I and probably a lot of other sustainable investors want to do that for everybody, not just the rich. yeah, having an automated tool is a big deal. And I've literally been building my own with like gravity forms uh, oh, on yeah. my WordPress site you know, like for the last little bit, like that, that is the level of solution that's out there is like DIY it for yourself.
1: My gosh, this was what, this was our last week's hard thing. Building yeah. websites.
0: <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, like, oh, the Until website, Tree. that's
1: what we do. Yeah. Oh, I, and this feeds into my heart thing about building stuff. Do, do we have a sound?
0: Oh, a, a, a sound effect for hard things? Let's see. Uh, I don't think we have an official one, but I thought it was. Oh yeah, there we go. It's called transition five
1: transition five. Uh, I think the hard thing about building stuff, funnily, like I actually wrote this. down. Thank you for the second.
0: (laughs) I don't know what
1: happened. (laughs) (laughs) No, I needed to because this is pretty important. Uh, Figuring out what people actually want you to do for them. Yeah, like was literally what I wrote down, and it's so funny hearing her, you know, our guest, because that's everything she's building with Auto is literally trying to figure out, you know, what portfolio to deliver her clients. But I find that is just so taxing, you know, and you, you understand why Steve Jobs was just like, screw it, I'm going to go figure it out myself, and I'll build what I think they want, um, and only you know, one in a thousand can get that right. So, most of us have to actually go spend the time to actually understand what clients and customers want, but it's very hard to do that,
0: yeah. i I, I mean, like i I think that it's, you know, I think incredibly valuable to the like you know financial advisory industry to have a like a, a pathing tool for that to help people identify solutions. But like as an invested manager, like as an active invested manager i'm I'm skeptical about how much mass customization can be done here because. Like, I, the, you know, I, I think you really need like pretty, you know, like boots on the ground type, um, like holistic thinking about the set of objectives that your clients have. Cause like, you know, I, and, and I think that, you know, it's exciting to see auto, you know, like surfacing these concerns, but like, I'm thinking right now about like PFAS remediation in, in landfill sites, uh, wow. you know, which like I guarantee you that most clients do not have front of mind, um, and they should, <laughs> and it's my job to put it front of mind for them. Um, you know, but like, I, I think that, you know, to go from, you know, oh, I like clean water to, okay. There's like a plastics issue. The lines with clean water to there's a waste supply chain that we need to be involved in is like, is a lot of jumps, you know? Um, totally. And, and like, I, I, I think that the, um, you know, I mean that's that's my hard thing, I guess, is like telling these stories. Um, You know, like I, I wrote this big blog post that I mentioned earlier, and like put it out there, and it's like crickets because who wants to who wants to read about why we're heading towards famine? <laughs> um, you, you, you know, me. like yeah, no, I mean, I mean, no, <laughs> don't don't read this. It's sad. <laughs>
1: if you want to have a good weekend, don't read this.
0: Yeah, exactly. If you want to have a good weekend, ignore InvestBeginner.
1: Oh, there. Um, I will know, tell you. Um, It's, I heard you just saying how hard it's going to be to do mass customization. And it's funny because when I say it's hard to figure out what your people actually want, it's a way of saying that you have product market fit in like Mm. investor jargon. And that's super hard to find. And the the appeal of mass customization is that like your product will just figure out what the market is, you know, (laughs) right? And that is such a sexy idea. Like, I just am so attracted to the idea that this product I'm going to put out there can customize itself to whatever the fucking market is. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's great. Like, I, I like. I mean, if I was like a VC, I would love that.
1: Uh, it's a good you know, buzzword.
0: It's a great, but you know, it, and oh, by the way, it's what advisors do. Yeah, you know, like that. Like that is what the you know the their process is, whether they like it or not. A lot of the time, it's like you know we we have you know, sets of solutions that we path you through. And then, you know, we've we've got the tools to make sure that, you know, we can flip switches and and fit, you know, what works for, you know, broadly into your specific situation. But yeah, I mean, I I think that there's a limit to it, um, you know, with when you get into the ethics of stuff, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of looking to have like delegated decision-making authority um, to someone else that, you know, you can look to like, kind of lead you through something. Um, and the metrics that indicate whether that delegated decision-making is going to like, actually do what people want from it are going to be a lot different from the metrics that, that cover what's currently in the portfolio, you know, um, so anyway, metrics are bad. No one should know anything.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elevator music, and you're fine.
0: Yeah, exactly. After studying the problem, I've decided that we should go back to the uh, stoning. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, it's, you know, the classic. Honestly, and I you know, apart from the gardening tip, I would say that this is one of our most popular segments. This is oh, the Dear Ashby yeah. segment of the show. Um, it's also where I habitually remind people that they can... Send us questions um, on the newly renovated freemoneypodcast.com. There's a very sexy form on there that you can use to My God. Um, yeah,
1: just be like. Sounds like it's too easy to ignore.
0: It's almost too disruptive, too, by the way. I, you know, I think like the it, it solves this preference problem by just making a form there and you can write whatever your preferences are in the form for us. To and are you
1: telling them. me that if people ask questions, I'll be obligated to answer them?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, and, and like the weirder, the better, like the, you know, and it's the person who <laughs> receives the input from the forum, <laughs> the way to, the way to get me to ask after your question is to make it funny and, or get weird, weird. Get yeah. weird with it. Um, the, the first one that we, oh yeah. And you know, you can also email freemoneypod at gmail.com and while you're at it, put five star reviews out, Yeah, you know, like, and subscribe, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe, Uh, roll down your window at a stoplight and just scream about the podcast to the car. Yes, you know,
1: what Um, you do is you roll down your window and then the person next to you in the car, you do that like roll down window sign with your hand. mm -hmm. Like and and (laughs) they bring their window down. (laughs) And then you say, hey, excuse me. Have you seen free money podcast with Ashby and Sloan or Sloan and Ashby technically? uh, I
0: mean, you know, it's like it's, it's it's it's. you know and they'll be like it's,
1: excuse it's, me cuz they won't they'll definitely think they didn't hear you right yeah, yeah, yeah. And, be, and then what you say is you heard me they'll be you know like won't and Ashley have a podcast? <laughs> um so this is a great i mean like this
0: is so front and center for like what we've been talking about here right cuz like do, you know do you think we talk too much about carbon mm. in sustainable investing conversations at the expense of other equally salient concerns
1: i do think that it's a great question I do think that, and people often like challenge me on that. I, it's um, I was trying to, you know, when I saw this question come through, I was like, oh shit, it's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we talk a lot about carbon, and part of the reason we do is it's like you can measure carbon. Yep, you can apply it to a portfolio, and in theory, you can change your decision making around carbon intensity and physical and transition risk to climate change. Like as a role model for dealing with these long-term difficult issues, first of all, it's a big issue. Like if we don't solve it. We're going to have to move underground. So <laughs> it's useful to solve it. And second, it could be a role model for a bunch of stuff, Yeah, you know, and, but I, I accept that our focus on carbon is probably crowded out, diversity and inclusion, and you know, but the whole range of the ESG and I impact related stuff. So. It's a fair point. I don't know how to get around it right now, Yeah. other than to just do our best to continue to measure other things and and bring those things into a level of measurement that we're getting close to with carbon. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's sort of the tip of the spear, right? I mean, like the, you know, important to remember that the financial markets are literally like the power structure of the world, like made like you know, like to, in asset form, right? So you know, carbon is a way to to think about all those things, and like everyone can think about carbon, um, you know, in in a way that like you know maybe the people who are thinking about water will be able to lead the you know the industry yeah. forward. Or you know, I mean, and it's it is really cool. I should have asked Stacy about this, but you know, retail investors have really led adoption of ESG. Um, you know, yep, and uh, I really regret left that round on again to ask her about that. Um, uh, you know, about how auto plays into that. Um, the next question is very ESG also.
1: Are you watching billions? I need to, because you I do, I, I admit that the, I like the idea of watching a hedge fund billionaire is like just romping around has kept me away from it, but I enough people have told me I probably need to watch it.
0: Yeah. The, the, this, this current season might be a good place to start because the, um, you know the uh, without too many spoilers, um, you know they uh, like a new person takes over this hedge fund, right? right. And he's like you know an impact investing guy. Oh he, wow! Right, and so he takes over, but but he's like you know kind he's the villain, right? Uh, you, you know, and of course he takes, he takes over this hedge fund, and he's like obsessed with his image. It's ha- it's got like I mean it's basically SAC Capital or point seventy two, yeah. Um, You know, and he and this new guy fires all of his clients. He's like, you guys were totally fine with the old management company, the old management style where we were like trading on insider information and doing all kinds of sketchy stuff. And you know what? For that, I'm not managing your money anymore. (laughs) We're only going to manage money from people who meet our ethical standards. Um, If, if somebody were to do that
1: IRL, uh, yeah, how do you think people would respond to it? I think it's genius one, <laughs> one, every limited partner in that fund would anyways be reassessing and probably thinking about pulling their money out with a new management team and a new style. Oh, that's So this hedge fund icy veined jerk off, uh, is getting ahead of it mm-hmm. and, and sort of getting ahead and saying, I fire you, you don't fire me. Mm. Limited partners love to invest in stuff they can't get access to. So already people are like, "Mm, I can't have this. I want it. And, um, you know, the track record would, would have to be reassessed all these things. It's a, it's a very elegant way to like navigate a transition process. And then when you tell the LPs that they're allowed into your fund, you're giving them a compliment in the process. Right. And so it's, uh, that was, that's a very savvy move and I expect it would have very little to do with actual ethics <laughs> and it would be 100% related to a marketing stunt. Um, there are cool ideas for impact hedge funds in the world. I remember didn't we have Rick books, Dave, here.
0: We did. We had Rick books, Dave, here. We had uh, Ulf or That's also impact the hedge fund. I mean, like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, they're definitely out there.
1: Yeah. And so like Rick's idea, which was like provide liquidity into crashing markets by spotting like those asset prices that are being slammed because of contagion rather than fundamentals and he had this agent-based model approach to doing it. And so I think like there are ways to outperform um, in the short run and drive impact. I mean, that's the thing about hedge funds, right? Like time horizons are generally pretty short. Otherwise they become long only, you know, equity managers. And so finding really impactful stuff that like meets an ethical test beyond just getting rich, um, that's hard, you know, and in part, part you, go to hedge funds in part because you just want them to focus on getting rich. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the season goes. If they kind of, if everybody's begging to stay in this, this hedge fund because of this little stunt.
0: I mean, yeah, I'll have to, you know, I, uh, maybe I will, um, I'll see if we can get someone involved in that show on this podcast. I, I uh,
1: vaguely mm, mm, vaguely know maybe a cameo. Uh,
0: I, I mean, like, I would love to. What, one of my favorite queer comedians, Ava Victor, is uh, is playing uh, is on this uh, this new season. Um, oh wow! Uh, like probably familiar to some people because she did some really good TikTok videos early in the pandemic where she was talking about like you know the straight pride thing. Uh, <laughs> you, like she's like yeah I'm like. It's, you know, it's the whole world is like made for me. And like, that's really hard. Anyway, um, she has, she is now playing like an analyst at this, uh, fund that's mm-hmm. like trying to navigate her own, like ethical, you know, kind of compass, you know, yeah. as it comes to like being a hedge fund person and being also a yeah. um, this is a real, this is like a question that I think, uh, a lot of people are debating behind closed doors right now. This, yeah. Uh, this last question, um do you think that institutional investors are reevaluating their mainland Chinese investments in light of what's happening in the Russian market? The economy would be much more vulnerable to the sort of tightened sanctions that have been applied to Russia. And oh, by the way, it's 32% of the MSCI emerging markets index is, is, is mainly in China.
1: Whoa. All right. Yeah. That's big. So let this, this is a great question because it kind of closes the circle in the beginning of the podcast, which was like, how do markets think about these risks, these geopolitical risks Mm -hmm. and like, what are the tertiary and secondary consequences that actually drive investor outcomes? Part of me thinks that the Chinese seeing the international reaction to Ukraine will think twice about a unilateral invasion of Taiwan. Mm -hmm. That's one interpretation. In which case, if you believe that the Chinese now see that the international community would react together and impose pretty tough sanctions, including on individuals in the government. Maybe they're less likely to invade, in which case you would be more likely to leave your exposure there. Mm-hmm. but this this also goes to understanding the geopolitical risks in your portfolio, which I think investors really struggle with today, yeah. you know all of these alternative data sets, um are like out there and then figuring out a way to apply it and sort and like, figure out what my geopolitical risk factor, you know, allocation is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine everybody is now looking around the world and wondering what's next and the China stuff was already very hot because of, you know, the, the issues within China. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Uyghurs and all of the, you know, what pe- some people have called genocide, uh, including me, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, there's one of them. Um, I don't know enough. So let's just call it genocide. So there's genocide. Yeah. Uh, that's a bad thing. And so already you would imagine people would have been reevaluating it, but, but like, I'm just, I can't, I second guess myself constantly now. Cause I would have thought markets would have imploded with the invasion of Ukraine and instead they're flat. So, yep. What then I'm left thinking, well, what are the extra like consequences of China invading Taiwan? I assume that's what this is about, right? This is about, I,
0: I mean, I, I, think people are thinking that, but also like, you know, I, I, think that like, you know, it, it plays into, I mean, like Bridgewater is probably like the most, one of the most widely held institutional positions, you know, in, I guess the U S or, or the world. Yeah. Right? Massive hedge fund, like massive hedge fund, billion. huge investments in China. Yeah. Um, you know, and like the, you know, I guess the concern would be like, if you have currency controls in a market and you have this added level of sanctions and pension, like you're, you have to reevaluate your exit plan, right? Your liquidity limits and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, I don't think anyone will actually do anything until, until something bad happens, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I mean, and the, and the fat, like there's part of me that's like having this level of interaction and mutual reliance. It's like we are mutually assured destruction if we attack each other's economies. Right. And and so hopefully that's like the benefit of capitalism is that we all rely on each other and we're not going to do anything that really harms ourselves too much. So hopefully, yeah, we get through this, but it is a bit crazy. Well, this yeah. is crazy. I wish I knew, like, answers to questions. But I don't, I feel I like.
0: Think, but I think it's important to highlight that, you know, in a lot of cases, the answers to this are not known. Yeah. Um, you know, and, like, the, it's, the, I mean, this is, like, what investors do. They they make, they allocate resources under conditions of
1: uncertainty. Yeah, that's right. You know. Um, and it's so, like, what, the, what investors do is they try to, in a little bit, I mean, I'm not trying to contradict you, but they're trying to convert uncertainties into risks That's so that they, yeah. they can take something that has like no probabilistic math around yeah. it and start assigning probabilities. yeah, And then think about, well, what is my risk budget? And let me allocate that around to the risks I think I've priced the best.
0: Yeah, and and like I mean, you got me thinking about contagion pathways, you know, mm. um, right? And like the that's you know, you think about like what is the contagion pathway that plays out here, and then you can actually analyze it, you know, benchmark it, and 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 have like a non-stupid, yeah, <laughs> non-instinctive, uh, you know, a view of what might happen.
1: That's how, um, that like for those of you out there that aren't professional money managers, like. Most of what money managers do is like looking at traffic jams in financial markets. Like, oh, there was an accident there, but the traffic like backed up to the bridge. Now my can't get on the bridge. And so I got to, you know, like, yep. sounds crazy to say that, but like a lot of this contagion is like one asset price gets hammered and yep. because of leverage or portfolio rules, all of a sudden, all these investors need to change their portfolio at the same time. And then there's traffic jams and asset prices get hit in other parts of the industry. And that's what drives like the big drops that you see occasionally in markets.
0: Yeah. Where everyone wakes up and they're like, oh, what the heck? And now, I mean, like, you know, speaking of, oh, what the heck, I think the most important thing on everyone's agenda is that it's springtime, it's gardening season. Yes. And oh boy. I mean, this is what
1: people are really coming to. This is where we we need a lighthearted jingle for gardening, Mm. just kind of like Take us out of genocide land. <laughs> to, you know, it, uh, but, uh, the free money garden tip. You know, uh, I mean, like, welcome. Thank you, guys. No, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, it's, I, I think that the, the services that we do for the people are really
1: unlimited, you know, but no, they're free. You know, they're free.
0: They're free. I mean, I tell like, you
1: that I felt a warmth with that applause. Like, it, really, God, I was like, oh, that does sound nice pretending mm-hmm. that people are clapping for us oh yeah like those people are probably dead Like <laughs> yeah 80 year old laugh track keep for breaking back the tone of the show i you
0: know i mean it's like we're out here tap dancing at the end of the world right uh, did i
1: tell you that i have subscribed on twitter to my daily death reminder <laughs> Once a day, Twitter sends me a note that says you will die someday (laughs) because it is a nice reminder to live the day and recognize that like this is ephemeral, y'all, like we're not here forever and, you know, take the time to plant some plants in your garden yeah, and and watch it grow and sniff the outcome. Hopefully it's a flower. Yeah, it is my tip. Go for it. Or do you want to go first? I sometimes to get too excited and then not. My trip is in.
0: very death related. Uh, okay, so you take it. The, so, like, I mean, I, my big, you know, I, long time listeners will know that I am a huge bull on compost. Um, True. Right? And, like, the, you know, it's compost is a whole thing. Like, when you get started, da, 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 da. now is a great time to get started. Well, um, really. Now is a fantastic time to get started. And like, if you want to do it right, like if you want to get like really grinding on compost, all you really need is a shredder and a pile. Um, and I say the shredder, um, because one of the most effective ways that you can get raw material for compost is to shred the e-commerce boxes that you get, um, and mix them in with green plant waste. That's what we do here. Um, And you will be shocked at how much, uh, like brown material that you can generate. Um, and like, literally if you do nothing, but, you know, mix up a bunch of cardboard and a bunch of kitchen waste, you'll have rich soil in, you know, five months, right. Uh, and like, and maybe even sooner if you're, if you're able to get a really hot pile going, uh, like if you have a, like a lawn, you can mix in your lawn clippings.
1: Sorry, I love the language of
0: the hot pile, the hot pile. Yeah.
1: How about if you're pilot Jesus Christ. Uh, 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 reminds me of walking the dog <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, let me ask you a tip, right here, cause cause I was a composter mm. and I think I screwed it up because we ended up with a little flop, like the flies that like oh, flying around mm-hmm. and then the flies started coming in the fucking house and we were that like, never again. Never that sucks. Again. Yeah. Um, how do you avoid the little, those little, like no flies, you know? Mm,
0: yeah. So the, those, those flies are really attracted to animal products. Uh, you know, so, like, um, basically, I, you know, I mean, the way I avoid it is not eating any of them ever <laughs> and not having them in my food waste, but Got um, in general, cooked things and, um, and animal products will attract pests. Um, and, and those no flies are, are the better pests that you can get. You could also get like rats and other fun stuff.
1: Oof. Um, So don't put animal products in your
0: hot pile. In your hot pile. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what you want is like a a three to one mix of browns, like shredded cardboard um, and like dead plant material to greens, which is like, you know, kitchen scraps or whatever. Um, Gosh. You know, and it's tempting to try and save everything. But, you know, as a general rule, if it's been cooked, um, you know, if it's ever like had a, had a life where it maybe had independent thought, um, it doesn't go in the compost uh, pile with the exception of eggshells, which can go in there.
1: Okay. Honestly, Sloan, fantastic garden tip today. Call out for you. I Thank feel like you. I'm was sitting here. I've just learned a lot. <laughs> And uh normally, you know, we wing these things, but I think you came prepared today to they, well like last good. time
0: as as uh <laughs> as listeners <laughs> will know, I forgot about the cargo <laughs> and yes, uh, and
1: just told people to water their plants. <laughs> and I don't think people are gonna forgive you for that, just yet. Yeah. But I'm trying to get people back on the slow train. You know well I mean? fortunately,
0: the, the audio was really crappy at that portion of the podcast. So I, it, I uh, it, yeah, that's kind of like I uh I I've like debating whether or not to just be like I guys the audio is too bad here
1: i <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of bad audio, I've had a few listener requests to understand who our lost podcast was with. Oh, I've had really? a emails being like, hey, who was that person? The lost pod. Yeah. yeah no, Wait, lost. Can we reveal that? I, I don't mean, know, I don't know. Know. <laughs> Maybe some point. Not today, though. Yeah. Gonna, well, more of a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my tip is um, related to raspberries. Mm. And it was because... My spouse was looking at our raspberry bush and she said, that's dead. You should just rip that out. And I was like, trust me. <laughs> and I was, I gave it a bunch of drinks, uh, probably about a week ago. And yesterday flowering, sorry, mm. leafing leaves Leafy. coming out. So never give up on your raspberry bush. You know what? It looks like it's the deadest thing in the garden. It will come back. Um, now I say that in California, where we don't freeze. So maybe if you're in a frozen place, the raspberries don't come back. You tell me, slot.
0: I, I think here, it, it'll it depend on your varietal. Um, I know okay. a lot of like, I mean, blueberries for instance, are native to, you know, like the East coast and Maine. Um, you know, so like they'll, they'll be perfectly happy and, and like strawberries too, you know, will look like they're super dead and then come back. You know, to it's
1: such a shock when you see these leaves come out of things that you were so sure was dead and very, very like warm and fun to yeah. like, be like, oh my God, you were alive. I knew you were alive, you know? It, yeah,
0: it will, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, speaking of freezing, like here in New York, we've had a pretty, I would say, temperate winter um, yeah. relative to, and, and like a bunch of my annuals, which are not supposed to survive, that I like left up so that insects could have habitat. Yeah. Um, our, I like my Snapdragon stayed alive and stayed flowering the whole winter.
1: That's nuts.
0: Yeah. It's like your, your fabled tomato plants. That, Which uh,
1: has a rep. It's literally been making tomatoes all year. I have a red tomato out there right now and it's spring now here. I think this tomato plant should go to space. I should <laughs> what kind of project they're going to do on it in space, but it deserves a trip. You should if take some Bezos gets to go to space. You should take tomato. some
0: props. Another bonus tip, you know, you take the suckers off of there. Uh, you know, if you, you harvest them in the right way, I think you can just, re, you know, um, transplant them.
1: For sure. That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, get your, get your, you know, Ashby's tomato. Oh my one. God. And then literally free money podcast could sell tomato plants that <laughs> never die. <laughs> talk about a free money hack. Talk
0: about, talk about alpha. I mean, <laughs>
1: <lived. laughs> portable alpha.
0: Oh God. Yeah, exactly. You put that, put that baby in a pot. Yeah. Uh, that about does it for it's us. But...
1: Podcast that had quite a few, only a handful of listeners in the early days. We uh, have quite a few inside jokes from that time period. That's true. That's true. I mean, but you know, like, I, I think if, yeah, you got to go back and listen to figure out what Portable Alpha is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Or, you know, or, you know, check out when our merch intern finally shows up to work. Yeah.
1: Are you out there, merch intern? Are you still mm-hmm. listening? not joking yeah come and talk to us
0: yeah or like yeah if you i mean if you just have a weird internship
1: project that you want to do for free money like i think that would be actually yeah any internship <laughs> yeah no we just like interns and you know what we'll pay you i yeah. don't like free money in turn for yeah you know, no, you, free you, money you, gives you free money
0: yeah That's but I would, I would love it if like a college student or somebody wanted to like do uh some kind of project on on the free money
1: podcast anyway um we Not will life. beat the minimum wage Hell yeah. by a dollar. Yeah, yeah. And? Or more, or more. We'll have to yeah, think it, about what our budget can handle.
0: Our comprehensive, uh, you know, kind of resource allocation framework. Yeah. Um But yeah, that's that's it for us today. Bye. Bye. We love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.